Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap. Today is Monday, February 22nd. Bond yields are up, Bitcoin is down after Elon Musk said the price might be too high, and we're focused on the first ever all-civilian spaceflight. Earlier today, it was announced that 29-year-old Haley Arsenault has been picked as the second crew member for Inspiration4, which is set to be the first ever all-civilian spaceflight when it blasts off in the fourth quarter of this year. Four things to know. First, Arsenault is a physician's assistant at St. Jude's and a childhood cancer survivor. She'll occupy what's being termed the flight's hope seat. Two, there have been space tourists before mostly rich folks who have paid to ride Russian rockets to the International Space Station. Inspiration4, though, will be the first orbital flight that only contains civilians. Three, her cabinmates will include Jared Isaacman, a billionaire businessman who's both the brains and money behind this flight, which will be using SpaceX rockets and spacecraft. One of the other passengers will be chosen via a Willy Wonka-esque raffle, while the last will be picked via a Shark Tank-style competition between customers of Isaacman's company Shift 4. 4, and this is most important, the future viability of space tourism could be riding on this flight. So we wanted to talk to Miriam Kramer, the author of Axios Space, who has been in touch with Haley Arsenault and her family about this flight. One quick note on today's show, I know it sounds a little different. Technical difficulties. All should be back to normal tomorrow. So, Miriam, let's start here. How did this mission come together and how long has it been in the works? Yeah. So this mission is the brainchild of Jared Isaacman. It basically came together because he's kind of a giant space nerd and uh, saw sort of an opportunity with SpaceX and took it. Um, Really, this mission sort of started coming together at the end of last year, sort of around November. uh, And it's kind of just been you know, going strong since then. Like they've had multiple announcements. People seem really interested in, in the, the project at this point. You say he's a space nerd. Obviously he wants to go up. This is a chance to go into orbit for him. Why is he doing it this way? This kind of all civilian flight with this kind of interesting choice of how he's picking uh, cabin mates, I guess you could say, as opposed to say just buying himself a ticket on a, on a Russian uh, rocket. Yeah. I mean, I think he saw the opportunity in a lot of ways. He had described it to me basically as doing this was a way that he could go to space without it just being like a trip for his buddies. He was really interested in trying to kind of give back to St. Jude and to find a way of making this mission about more than just him which was a pretty interesting sort of way of doing it. Like, obviously he's fully invested in it. He's got his like company deeply involved. But for him, he sees it as an altruistic sort of way of helping to give money to St. Jude and raising awareness and for sort of furthering the cause of private spaceflight. Help explain to me, how does St. Jude make money off this flight? Yeah. So anybody who's entering the raffle can choose to donate. You can enter it for free as well. But uh, so far, they've raised over $9 million for St. Jude through the raffle. Uh, And then he has given a gift of $100 million to St. Jude. Is NASA involved in this at all? Obviously, I know these are SpaceX rocket and a SpaceX cabin or, or spacecraft rather, but is NASA itself involved? They're only involved in so far as, uh, you know, a lot of NASA money went to SpaceX to actually help build the rocket and the capsule that they're going to fly on, but they're not involved at all. So Haley Arsenault gets announced today. What do we know about her? Why did she get picked? 
Yeah. Uh, so she is 29. She's a childhood cancer survivor. She was diagnosed when she was 10 and treated by St. Jude. Uh, and then she came back to St. Jude just recently, about a year ago, uh, as a physician assistant. So now she's working at St. Jude. She used to be a patient at St. Jude. She's very deeply involved with the St. Jude cause. And they basically gave her this opportunity. They approached her, said, do you want to go to space? She pretty much said, absolutely. Yes, immediately. (laughs) I spoke to Haley about her reaction to being chosen, and I want you to hear it from her. I will say it pretty much came out of the blue. I was invited to a call with, with two St. Jude employees, and they said they had an opportunity for me, but they were being very vague. And I remember feeling a little bit nervous before the call just because I didn't know what was coming, but I w- this was not what I expected. On the call, they introduced the mission and um, kind of the idea behind it, and then they asked if I wanted a seat aboard. And I immediately said, yes, yes, thank you. Um, but then I thought it would be wise for for me to check with my mom. And, um, and so I, uh, I gave my mom a call and I, and I told her, and of course she was shocked. And I said, I just, I can't pass this up. And she said, no, you can, you cannot pass up. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And then I called my brother and sister-in-law, the, the rocket scientists of the family. And they were so excited for me and they reassured me how safe, um, space travel is. And, and so I felt very, very confident whenever I was able to get back to St. Jude later and say, absolutely. Yes. So she's really excited to go up in this flight. How are people in her family reacting? Yeah, it's a good question. So, um, I spoke to her mom about it and her mom is definitely nervous, but she's actually sort of taking some of what she learned when Haley was being treated at St. Jude as a kid and basically just seeing it as like a one day at a time kind of thing. She's not really thinking about the launch. She's not really thinking about the danger. She's more just thinking about how exciting of an opportunity this is for her daughter. Uh, And Haley herself is always sort of, from what her mom said, has always been interested in taking risks, interested in travel. Uh, So this sort of falls in line with the kind of thing that Haley really wants to be doing. Her brother is uh, an aerospace engineer. Uh, so I think their first call was to him to sort of try to gauge how safe this system was. And I guess it got the, you know, the thumbs up from her brother. She reacted positively much faster than I would have. You know, SpaceX has sent a lot of people and a lot of materials, satellites, et cetera, up to space. It's also had a lot of very well publicized and watched on YouTube failures, things that have blown up. How safe is this? <laughs> That's the... Uh... The multi-million dollar question there. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so I should say like SpaceX's explosions and their high profile accidents have for the most part been part of their big sort of test program. Like they're trying to push the limits of what these vehicles can do. Sometimes they explode like they would say that it's all kind of part of the grand plan. The rocket and capsule that Arsenault and Isaacman would be flying on have not experienced those kinds of extreme failures. They've actually been pretty reliable. They have been sent two times to the International Space Station with professional astronauts aboard. That said, only two times. So there's not a whole lot of data to pull from about how safe these vehicles really are. If there were, God forbid, some sort of accident here, from your perspective, does that kind of end the idea of space tourism for quite some time? Yes. My short answer is yes. If something were to happen, particularly with this mission, with an all-civilian crew, no professional astronauts aboard, it's going to call into question a lot of what this industry is banking on. 
Which really means that, like, take a company like Virgin Galactic, which isn't part of this, but Virgin Galactic is only really a space tourism company. They are publicly traded. They've got a lot riding on this, even though they have nothing to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even though it's a suborbital space, even though it's something completely different, like, this is going to be one of the most watched launches in history. This idea that there are no professional astronauts, that this is all civilian, why do that? Why not have, I don't know, one person who knows what they're doing in case something goes wrong? I think it's partially to prove that they can. In many ways, the system, the SpaceX Dragon, was built to be piloted from the ground. Like You don't necessarily need the input of people on the spacecraft in order to fly it safely. So I think that this was sort of the point in the whole thing from the beginning for SpaceX is like they want to be flying these kinds of missions. They like the idea of sort of training Isaacman to be the pilot of it in case he does want to fly it, in case he does you know, something does go wrong and it needs to take over. But I think it's proof of concept for SpaceX, if nothing else. You know, often space missions are, are ostensibly about science. Is, is there anything that science stands to gain here outside of proving that, you know, we can get a, a flight up without any astronauts in it? Yeah. St. Jude is actually going to be sending some experiments to space with uh, the crew when they when they launch at the end of the year. So just sort of practically like they are going to be doing some science up there. Um, it'll be interesting to see sort of what they accomplish as this civilian crew who's never been to space before, who's probably going to be pretty disoriented with the flight once they get up into space. Uh, it's not the easiest thing to adjust to microgravity. So we'll sort of see like what productive science comes from it, but they're definitely going to try. Miriam, you also are a space nerd. You write our, our, our space newsletter. Have you entered the raffle? I have not. Um, I, you know, that's a good question for me because I, I considered it because I thought it would be a great story. But then I decided I'd much rather cover it. <laughs> and I think that there's a little bit of a conflict of interest there if I'm trying to enter a raffle and also trying to cover it as a journalist. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Miriam Kramer, who does write uh, Axios Space, which you can get at signup.axios.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Boeing, which is recommending that some of its 777s be grounded after incidents in both Colorado and the Netherlands, resulting in hunks of metal hurtling to the ground below. Now, luckily, no one was killed, although one Dutch woman was injured. And both U.S. and EU regulators are now asking questions of both Boeing and engine maker Pratt & Whitney. And today we're also watching Goodyear, which announced it will buy fellow tire maker Cooper in a $2.8 billion deal. One reason it matters is this would further solidify Goodyear's top spot in terms of U.S. auto sales, with Cooper in the fifth spot. And it also matters because it could nearly double Goodyear's position in China. But really? It matters most because it's a merger between two century-old companies, both based in Ohio, something that may never happen again. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national Margarita Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap. <laughs>